Want to discover leading strategies, share experiences and connect with fellow consultancy leaders from companies like EY, PwC or Porsche Consulting? Then join us in Munich for the Leaders in Consulting Conference on the 27th of June, a one-day event exclusively for consultancy leaders like you. Places are limited, so head to leadersinconsulting.com to claim your ticket now. That's leadersinconsulting.com. See you there. How our CEO has announced about a billion dollar investment over the next couple of years to uh, ensure that we not only we reimagine our own you know uh, ways of working and how we think and we do our own business, but uh, also do it for the client, much so for the client how we can uh, offer best uh, services uh, and uh, a proposition to our client. Uh, and be a true digital transformation partner for them, you know, in that way with AI as a, a AI first approach, and that's uh, something which uh, you know now I think within a span of uh, about three months or four months itself, we have trained more than hundred and fifty thousand people uh, employees across, you know, on on the first level plus, and then within that about. More than fifteen thousand plus people getting to the next level of training, you know, on uh, Gen AI. So uh, it is uh, absolutely, you know, it it needs a top-driven, uh, you know, uh, agenda for any organization if they really want to uh, reshape their organization. Welcome to the Leaders in Consulting podcast, the show that delivers cutting-edge insights from other leaders in consulting companies. If you want a summary of learnings from each episode or you want to meet other consulting leaders at our monthly in-person meetups, head to leadersinconsulting.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Please note, you must be a partner or MD of a consulting company with at least 40 employees to be eligible to join our in-person meetups. Today, Amit Rachti joins us. Amit is a Vice President uh, Digital Consulting at Vipro. Amit, welcome to our show. Thanks. Thanks, Amit. So Pleasure. tell me about your company, um, Vipro. What are you doing? So uh, let me just first give a brief on Vipro and uh, and then, you know, about my role. So, so Vipro is not a new organization that way. Vipro is actually about 75 years old. Uh, yeah, you're right. So it was set up in uh, 1945, as you know, what our uh, ex chairman, uh, Mr. Premji, you know, started this uh, uh, business. It was set up as an oil and manufacturing business. And then in late 80s, he kind of uh, uh, started his business uh, on the on the computer systems by having partnership with Dell, IBMs, and others. And now Wipro is one of the most largest, one of the largest uh, technology consulting and uh, services companies, technology services company. So we have more than 250,000 employees uh, representing close to, if I'm not wrong, about more than 149 nationalities. And uh, we're serving more than four, 1,400 clients across 66 countries, you know, across the globe. 
Now, the little known fact about Wipro is mm-hmm. that, you know, we are a very, very purpose-driven uh, technology consulting company. And what I meant by that is that two-thirds of our uh, profits uh, goes to charity. Two-thirds? Uh, yeah, two-thirds. And this ah. is uh, why, because our majority of our, uh, which is about 66% of the shares, is owned by Azim Prenji Foundation, so which is you know uh, as a irrevocable trust, you know how Mr. Premji donated that to, and uh, so whatever dividend gets declared or whatever you know profits or whatever you know it in a way that you know our customers and our employees and whichever way you know they are serving uh, Wipro uh, or uh, or I'll say you know having business with Wipro. Uh, they are in fact uh, contributing to this uh, uh, to the notable i'll say very notable cause and uh, and there are series of work which you know you can go through around azim premji foundation which we carry out uh, can you give so, me just two or three examples of what the foundation is doing or what the focus of the foundation is the focus of foundation is actually on uh, firstly is to uh, improve the health and the education. So those two sectors is something which we target. So education is absolutely. So we work with the, uh, there is a Azim Premji University also set up to how to increase the quality of the education, you know, in India and also where we operate. So mm-hmm. there are uh, things uh, which we do, you know, through that university and uh, the benefiting uh, to the teachers and to bringing the students back. Uh, to the education who left, uh, who leave education because of uh, poverty or because of social issues, etc. So there's a lot more uh, driven through that particular initiatives. Plus, uh, you know, we do a lot of work with, uh, for example, during the COVID time, about more than $200 million were kind of donated to the cause of uh, you know to the covid rehabilitation or covid improvement you know uh, or the program so one of the campus uh, uh, building itself was donated to the local um, uh, authority public health authority in india mm-hmm. uh, for uh, and it was fully converted into at wipro's cost uh, uh, as a, as a hospital so more than 100 plus million meals were donated through those, uh, you know, through the large uh, uh, catering or the canteen facilities which we have across campuses. So you can imagine the campus is is as huge as a kind of a, you know, mini, you know, towns or so because there are say 20 plus buildings in each of those campuses and and it serves more than 10,000 plus people at the same time. So since the uh, facilities were shut down so it was repurposed to see how we can uh, uh, use the facilities and the infrastructure uh, to provide that uh, services and mm-hmm. to that so i find that yeah. sorry to interrupt but i find that super interesting that a company on such a large scale is basically um, to, to more than 50% um, doing good for for like charity work so to say and um and because we have a lot of founders of co- like of consulting companies and owners of consulting companies as listeners um if you think about it it's a that is also an option to not sell your company but like if it's profitable and well running you can preserve your 
your good name for for a long time, if not forever, um, in quotations, um, by uh, and doing good and still um, making a profit. Um, so it's not contradicting each other. Um, oh yeah, that sure is very, you know, absolutely. I think somewhere we always feel that you know we are in this whole grind of you know profit and you know uh, working for what. But if there is a purpose attached to that, uh, you know, then it makes uh, somehow your uh, mind and heart both, you know, uh, so clear in terms of the purpose that, you know, it is not like the mind is somewhere else or heart is somewhere else. You know, it's both working mm -hmm. for the same, you know, the objective and it is for the larger betterment of the society. So, and yeah. that is where I think we all can make a difference, even though we are working in a corporate and with a profit objective to you know shareholders etc but ultimately that profit if it is going for a good cause mm -hmm. and for an equitable cause it is all you know it's all justified and that's yeah. where the main main reason if people ask me that you know what made me stay so long is yeah end of the day when you feel that yes such works are getting done and so so then it's all worth it how long have you been with uh wipro i've been with wipro for about uh, 20 years now oh, and, uh, yeah it's a long journey uh you know absolutely started in india almost 2002 late 2002 and uh five years in India, Middle East, and then moved to UK in 2007, uh, late. And uh, and then into various roles, uh, global roles across uh, consulting practices, heading the practice on finance transformation, then the wider process transformation, and then we reimagined the business, uh, you know, consulting practice. And yeah, and then uh, the overall digital consulting. And now, in fact, uh, as part of the new role, I'm also leading the UK and I consulting for overall, you know, uh, across the domains or industry domains or across the, you know, the various functional uh, consulting. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's How many people are, are you managing in your team in total? So total, I think it will be definitely, you know, thousand plus, mm -hmm. I'll say. Uh, across, you know, across local plus you know the the team in India who serves the client in in uh, in UK and you know across so that's what uh, yeah mm -hmm. very good um, and you personally with your team so I I, I understand that uh, Vipro is is um, like working worldwide almost. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. So we are uh, we operate across, as I was saying, uh, sixty six countries. So in the very strategic market. So our uh, PNL is uh, driven by the strategic market units, as we call. So which is you know US. Uh, US has to you know kind of PNL in terms of America's one and two. So which includes LATAM and Canada also uh, as a country, and uh, then we have Europe. Uh, as a as a strategic market and then we have uh, what we call apnea which is which is asia pacific middle east uh, uh, africa and india you know in that mm -hmm. way okay so, and yeah. for what geographies are you responsible for so i am responsible for the overall you know uki uh, uk and ireland as part of the 
as part of the europe uh, you know market mm-hmm. okay and, uh, but i am also globally responsible for uh, the overall ai advisory you know practice so you know which is there so and you mentioned a topic that i directly want to deep dive in with you ai uh, i mean that is top of mind for of almost any consulting leader I'm talking to right now because everybody knows the wor- the way consultancies and, and the world is working will change with AI and usually it's a job also uh, for a consultancy to enable companies to bring this change uh, to life. So um, how did you start building out the, the AI and automation advisory practice at Vipro? Uh, Our AI advisory practice is actually not new, though I know this is just caught up more so uh, because of the, I'll say the new wave or especially the Gen AI wave, which is currently, you know, going on in full swing. But it has uh, reinvigorated, I'll say the overall, the aspects of AI is one of the very, very critical part of the overall digital strategy or digital transformation strategy for any organization. Mm -hmm. So we started our AI advisory and automation advisory, you know, in 2018. Uh, So Mm -hmm. with a very modest theme that time around intelligent automation. How how big was the team back then? Yeah. yeah. So that time the team was about, um, about 40 plus, Mm -hmm. I'd say, you know, so which, you know, today definitely has grown more than you know in in this specific uh, offering itself to more than 300 plus mm-hmm. uh, but we have a very strong uh, you know always had a very strong uh, consulting practice on business and process transformation way back so which where we cover across uh, industry specific or any functional domains like so supply chain finance hr or others mm-hmm. or procurement uh, etc so for that, I know for that time, uh, it was very logical for us to extend and, uh, you know, include the whole aspects of intelligent automation as part of our proposition. Mm-hmm. But then over the next couple of years, we reshaped uh, our every proposition, say, even say supply chain planning or even procurement transformations or aspects on finance, whether to do with finance controllership or with the FPNA. Um, we uh, reshaped it with the aspects of what impact automation and AI can make, uh, you know, in this uh, whole, uh, in whole of the proposition which we have across. So and whether we take it to any retail client, say, for example, in their uh, sales and marketing area, Mm-hmm. or with a telecom services client to improve their uh, customer churn or mm-hmm. uh, or an enterprise wide uh, um, function like shared services or global business services as client calls it mm-hmm. you know that's where we included uh, uh, in every of those proposition how automation can make a difference and where they can make a difference and what uh, strategy to adopt and what roadmap to take in to mm-hmm. realize those uh, benefits. So yeah. if you could uh, take us a little bit back on the journey at the very beginning with the first 40 people um, where you, you started out or you basically um, uh, re- like the, the nucleus of the, the bigger team now. Um, 
first of all, who did you like? What kind of personas did you pick for that team? And then, how did you? I mean, I understand. You, I understand what you did over over the course of time, but you have to start with one practice. Like, uh, how did you pick the first practice where you say, "Here we have a new way of tackling certain problems, and uh, this is a team that can help you." And then you have the subject matter expertise, and I don't know, supply chain or procurement, and then you bring those together, and together you you create something new. What was the the hands-on story? Please, please take us back and through it. Sure, I think uh, it uh, does bring me some fond memories. Uh, absolutely. Uh, um, and so, yeah, you're right. Actually, you know, so so we looked at it. You know, the whole team composition is. Uh, I always used to say to the team, um, so in a in a kind of a you know triangle way. So where three vectors were. Uh, absolutely the process and functional expertise which we always had and then you know we looked at you know somebody as uh, ai evangelist or somebody who can you know think about ai and automation in the way what difference automation can make not for the sake of it but really to improve the business outcome for the client or to bring you know much better visibility and decision making ability actually so that's what our objective was. Uh, and third is basically the whole aspects of how should we make it much more uh, ethical. So the risk and compliance aspect, for example, you know, and uh, the human aspects, you know, uh, underlying it is, you know, how do we enable, you know, the team. So that was much more internal view and but to and have a overall lead to who can run uh, who can run this, uh, you know, as a as a program or as an initiative. So forming that internal COE itself was very, very uh, challenging yet uh, to get that kind of a team set. So we had a two-pronged strategy to that, to have both the uh, new age talent plus the, you know, an experienced talent coming in from outside. Mm -hmm. Plus, uh, reskilling and reshaping our own internal talent so that the blend of that can give us both uh, inside out view plus outside in view, which is mm -hmm. always, you know, works out best uh, in that way. Because inside out can tell us that what will work and how it will work in Wipro. And, you know, how do we take those GTM go to market offerings mm -hmm. and the propositions? Plus, outside in will always. Uh, be needed in a in an offering like this which is coming up or which is you know new and uh, they always knew what how the world is looking at it or how the client is looking at it etc so that that's a way how we started building up our team and mm -hmm. uh, so yes the, they were very modest start i'll not say um, that can, I, can I deep dive with you just for a second because I'm curious, what kind of like um, personas did you pick? Was it data scientists mainly out of these 40 or was it like 30 or 20 data scientists and then 10 people with a business background and 10 with something else? Um, so we had, a, uh, in fact, uh, since it's a wider Wipro pool, so what we did decided is that, you know, we will... Uh, we will leverage the wider AI solutions or AI engineering practice, you know, within Wipro uh, to ensure that, uh, you know, we don't build, so we don't want it to build up by purpose those, uh, you know, engineering or data, you know, uh, science skill to that depth level. So what we had is basically people who 
definitely understands that you know the aspects of data because data was you know the very very critical as we you know understood that time so what was called as cognitive or analytical ai to what today the shift is going towards nlp and you know the more of personal and generative you know ai in that way so there is it's it's a journey which has you know uh, this whole aspect itself has you know gone through Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way so that time i'll say that that's how we started to look at much more ai evangelist or ai architects or ai advisory people you know mm-hmm. in that way mm-hmm. and then couple them with uh, the required uh, uh, specialist you know whether it is ml engineers or a chatbot engineer or you know whatever you know required or a, you know or architect at that deep uh, detail mm-hmm. because um so we uh, started with that kind of uh, our own team plus the extended wipro team so that's where you know where we can lead the conversation because uh, we can easily fall into the trap of going into a very solution centric way you know and going into a very platform way but uh, that will not uh, actually give us a head start or get that will not give us a competitive edge also in that way Uh, because watson that time for example there was you know was of the you know talk of the town in that way because of the investments and because of whatever then there were no so many startups you know which uh, were also there during that time so wipro also invested in some of the startups so through wipro ventures and we still do that uh, yeah, investment through our wipro ventures and we leverage that part also um, say you know in in a way Uh, for for example in conversational ai so mm-hmm. there's one platform which we have a partnership with and then we always leverage their uh, credential their capability in wherever we are going for conversational ai for example mm-hmm. so uh, but then we also had our own platform called homes which is still there for so which was there for business and for it operations so we took some uh, solutions from the, our homes also but the overall proposition was centered around uh, the personas like what it can do for cfo okay that was the first and aim you you went for the cfo cfo what it can do for the cpo what it can do for uh, uh, you know for a supply chain you know operations so what uh, was the very first project you remember you did for an external client and how did it happen or evolve so i'll say it was actually yes you're right uh, it was for finance yeah uh, and it was there as one of the engagement where we wanted to client wanted us to do a benchmark study mm-hmm. um for why the automation is not uh, scaling in the enterprise mm-hmm. and so that was a very interesting piece of work to you know analyze and conduct those workshops and the use cases analysis to see how they are getting deployed to why they are not able to scale what challenges they are facing etc and then come out with the recommendations to say what kind of roadmap you know they should be looking at whether it is in their procure to pay process value chain you know there has to be different treatment strategies so to their uh finance controllership areas to what they should be looking at in their order to cash area for example mm-hmm. so yeah that was a very comprehensive piece of work which we did for one of the client and uh, yeah there was a definite road map which we established mm-hmm. and 
and the next uh, you know um, course of action was suggested to them to you know uh, to form or uh, uh, leverage the coe which they have in a much much better way uh, you know and uh, how do they restructure the coe by region or by functions you know to leverage them in a better way because that's what's you know one of those aspect which was coming across that you know they're not able to uh, leverage their own coe you know in a better way what does yeah. coe stand for no sorry uh, my bad uh, coe center of excellence so ah, okay yeah sorry sometimes i ask um, yeah, yeah, yeah. the simple questions <laughs> no, no, no. very good and um like two points here or questions just for that client how did it feel to have the very first client with a new team yeah it was actually um we took it as a you know as a lighthouse account to say that you know how do we make sure that we give our best mm -hmm. and uh, you know we in fact uh, i also got involved you know in that way so because i have a finance background and mm. i have used to head the finance transformation so i understand the I'll say the nitty gritty is a little bit better than, you know, many other topics and uh, in that way. Um, so I think uh, it was challenging uh, because client also was trying to understand that, you know, typically this kind of work is done by, by the big consulting firms, you know, and how come Wipro will be able to do it. So there was a leap of faith required. Yeah. But our first series of uh, discussion, and that's where, when we asked those three or four things, Uh, maybe those were the right questions, you know, in terms of the structure, the setup, and the ways they are doing use case analysis, etc. Uh, so that's where it came across uh, that you know, there are you know challenges there. So and the client really liked that kind of interaction which we had, and that led, led to the engagement for us. So, so we had an initial that you know based on that we had some confidence definitely, but we also. Uh, understood that uh, you know we need to beef up our team with right level expertise also required so we did uh, reached out to some of the extended team uh, and uh, you know uh, on the technical or on the you know side etc and uh, yeah and then fairly landed well so it was quite uh, applauded you know by the client also. very good and so you had your first uh, client in the uh, cfo space um, what was your strategy then to, to, because I assume at least your goal was not to stick to that area, uh, but your goal was wider and bigger. So first question maybe should be, what was your goal for that unit? And what were the steps you then took to, to broaden or to go into the, the direction of the bigger goal you had also within Vipro, so to say? So I'll say, uh, so journey from there till now, at least I'll say three phase, you know, the phase one, I'll say was to establish that as a practice, as an advisory practice and within Wipro itself, uh, firstly, to be known across. So that was there as a overall, you know, as a third pillar within the overall automation ecosystem, which we had. So that uh, helped us to, you know, make sure that, you know, we are being called upon by, you know, all the sales team and go to market all you know sales team across uh, and as a global as a global practice it as it was established so 
then uh, so which means we need to incubate our team and offerings and propositions so by you know and work along with our industry domain uh, you know team also to say how what can be done in telecom so that led us to a you know one landmark engagement on with a telecom client where how we can you know uh, envisage or we actually created their whole center of excellence uh, for their operations uh, you know across uh, you know across the whole of europe and how uh, they can take what kind of initiatives what kind of you know digital initiatives to ai initiatives etc mm. yeah, in that way so mm-hmm. that which actually gave us a view also that kind of engagement that it is just not about ai only but you know let's look at as a overall digital uh, you know initiatives or digital interventions or transformation approach which means there are aspect like self serve or if there are things which can be moved you know to self serve mode or to eliminate transactions or eliminate the need of automation itself but have much more uh, automation or ai more so where if we can improve the decision making ability or it can actually give them far better insights to you know to act upon and to you know accept so that's where that uh, maturity curve i think started uh, happening for mm-hmm. us um so which uh, led to the second phase uh, uh, where we wanted to ensure that how do we incorporate this in each of our current offering so mm-hmm. the team was very much lean six sigma or functional smes and you know transformations so we reshaped our uh, team and in fact we uh, crafted that out as a you know renamed our practice as intelligent business reimagination you know in that way mm-hmm. so how do we reimagine the business across and uh, from operating model to um, to the way how you know their um, structure to their how their technology to how their process data etc you know application so how do we make sure that you know we consider all the aspects uh, as part of the larger digital transformation uh, initiative but where we will focus more from our consulting is on ai and automation so that's where while the larger wipro will actually play a role in terms of the cloud or analytics etc but we you know we'll try to bring in that uh, thought leadership or i'll say lead on uh, ai advisory side so that's where we uh, uh, also embedded uh, other uh, practices um, i'll say like uh, like value mining so value mining means taking the whole approach to unearth the value across process and and through the data underlying through that process uh, so we had our own uh, ip which is capitex also so which actually extracts value from the systems and in terms of the working capital optimization for example mm-hmm. but how do we embed that into the into the larger initiatives and what can be so the interventions required to improve say for example working capital can also be digital initiatives can also be initiatives on uh, ai for example so there can be for example supplier management so there can be initiatives where we can do conversational ai to improve uh, or eliminate the need for so much you know of supplier queries so how do we you know that brings the efficiency that brings much more 
visibility also and uh, much more better experience also so mm-hmm. so the focus was just not an efficiency and effectiveness but we also targeted as part of this second phase on the experience element so that was your second phase yeah second phase and the third is now which is what we are going through is that post this the as the new wave which is going is the you know in terms of the gen ai in terms of large language models and how do we ensure that you know the whole offerings and the practices which we created till now how do we make it far more composite and far more holistic so which includes uh, because it has become personal now so the analytical ai with the way which is started with cognitive and automation and low code no code etc has now gone into the way where it is becoming very very personal so you me everybody can use today you know chat gpt or gen ai to improve our own productivity or our own uh, you know day to day work in fact mm-hmm. this conversation if you are actually getting recorded and there is a transcript generated you can do so much of uh, analysis and so much of this you know based on this itself yes uh, what we will do afterwards yeah <laughs> <laughs> no so, we in fact are, are working with um with ai tools afterwards uh, that um and it's not like these ai tools can be used stand alone you still have to have really good copywriters uh, that work in like with the tool together but it um increase the output also in terms of quality and depth so um that one i can absolutely relate to yeah so yeah so that's where i, I feel that uh, today uh, it is beyond uh, you know um so it is impacting so it can impact uh, each of us life so you know previously it was seen that you know analytical ai will resides you know with the it or with the data you know or a coe team and then you know business will actually call upon their services to leverage that etc but uh, but today it is like it is going to get embedded in our day to day life Yeah. so in 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 whether it is in teams or whether it is in webex or whether it is in say powerpoint excel to outlook to anything mm-hmm. even as i this to even for a customer service agent to even to anybody in fact uh, r and d professional to a marketing professional to see what next just best offer can be generated for the client to uh, you know you know and this is where Uh, ai will actually help us to generate much more personalized recommendations for example so or even at a org level so regulatory filing submissions to you know helping to like generate a, a best commentary or you know the suggested commentary for cfo based on the results generated mm-hmm. it can interpret data also it, it is just not that it can interpret Uh, text or large volume of text etc but it can interpret data very well and then you can embed and you know power bi itself within that for example and or you know or any other analytical tool mm-hmm. uh, give you say that okay please generate me then the output in this form and it will use that once you know if you embed that as part of your uh, say platform or application it will do that so mm-hmm. it is going to get much definitely was uh, much much embedded and much much part of the core st- strategy of any organization but at the same time uh, there are so many risks so many questions so many you know uh, guardrails which needs to be 
uh, thought through. So that is where uh, organization will take it, in my view, is in much more uh, conscious way rather than trying to jump in. So many organizations will definitely do POC as you know we are currently doing for many of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that you know there are so many organizations you know already want wants to uh, and will be experimenting you know in this way. Mm-hmm. But to adopt it at an enter- enterprise scale, uh, they will definitely needs to be uh, proper. Uh, risk compliance you know measures needs to be there right from the use case generation to to the way how it gets implemented and then you know to have an ability to see whether it is still complying post implementation also or not so how do we assure that you know it is you know complying all the ethics or complying all the uh, privacy laws or you know local gdpr local ai laws now there are local ai laws which is getting uh I think, signed off across the organizations. Let me dive in with a question. Um, what are the, the the most common challenges you face right now when you develop a proof of concept project, um, AI project, so to say, or automation project with a client? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, I think the challenges are uh, manifold. I'll say any client, uh, you know, typically, um, because when you talk the walk, I think, you know, client also understand that, you know, that it is two different things in terms of talking about a POC. Even the POC itself creates a lot of challenge, you know, which uh, sometimes client itself don't realize. But when we start putting that uh, things on paper to say that this is what, you know, we'll need. So it will just actually questions a um, lot more things to say why and why do we need and, you know, when do we need and how much of you need, etc. So, for example, just to put it a little bit more context, um, availability of uh, right set of data, for example, for the identified use case. Now, in today's world, use case are easily identified. Way back, you know, use case identification itself is to be an exercise. But now over the last four or five years, across the industries, we very well know uh, the use cases, you know, which can go well, which is, you know, up for the grab, etc. So that is no more a question. Uh, but ability of uh, uh, right set of data is uh, definitely, you know, a uh, 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 challenge. Mm-hmm. Now, and that itself, uh, getting a last anonymized uh, data uh, also is also a big thing because if there is, say in the case of customer services, we need to be careful that there is no personal data involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, uh, which means we need to be complied with uh, the GDPR also. So we need to ensure that there is no, um, uh, you know, personal data and, you know, we are complying with that. Yes. Uh, Security and compliance, so getting the whole POC okayed by the organization, security and compliance team uh, for the reasons which I just mentioned um, to, you know, to the outcomes, uh, you know, not just the use case or the architecture, but also for the outcome, uh, which will be complied with them. That is also very key. Can you walk us through one of your most recent um, POCs that you executed? 
Um, yeah, I can do that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so most uh, recently we did, uh, you know, uh, with one of the clients in the, in the procurement area. Um, they were uh, in procurement. Actually, you can do multiple things. Uh, whether uh, you can actually take a very cognitive, you know, aspects or analytical aspects to uh, improve uh, the whole spend analytics visibility, uh, what the future or future month spend will look like, you know, based on the user behavior, user pattern to the suppliers and everything. You can look at you can look at even the sustainability, you know, aspects. For example, you know, in the wave how much more uh, you know you'll be able to uh, save or how much more you'll be generating if you continue with your procurement strategy in this way uh, to the aspects of gen ai also recently which you know where we are seeing that how the whole rfp process for example can be you know reduced mm -hmm. so organization big organizations you know generate volumes of uh, rfi or you know uh, even um, um, across their suppliers, if they are globally spread, more so. But uh, user tends uh, to not to utilize the contract and not to, you know, they tend to do maverick spend. They tend to do uh, spend outside the contract. So how do we bring about both, uh, not just adherence to the, you know, the contract, but make it much more uh, user-friendly? Mm -hmm. How do we ensure that this is uh, uh, there across um, and but at the same time reduce the RFI. For example, the whole RFP generation, the having the template. So mm. Gen AI can actually help us to say that you know generate the best template for X kind of material. Mm -hmm. It can help generate the contract document also. You know in that way the best. You know what kind of terms, what kind of you know legalese needs to be there. It can help us to compare the responses across received because most of more often more and more today between. Uh, there's no paper or uh, you know documents received so it is everything is electronic so you receive the response and everything in, in in that way so if you are able to you know compare the comparison also becomes very easy because if you are prescribing them to response in certain way then it becomes terms to terms or you know apple to apple kind of uh, yeah. you know comparison so it can Help you generate till the last point, you know, which used to take say weeks. You know, you can do it in now, uh, you know, in less maybe days actually. So if that's you, amazing if you think about it. And that's what you know uh, today organization is trying to do because there's so much of information which is lying, you know, with the client's uh, own system, their own yeah. unstructured data, and that is the biggest. Also challenges as uh, I think I maybe forgot to mention is also the unstructured data, which was, you know, causing a lot of problem there. But today that problem also gets solved because even if the data is not structured in proper way or if it is some have mentioned it in table, some have mentioned it in, you know, another form, etc. Today, the large language models can actually interpret and understand that and, uh, you know, come out with a view which you can say that, yeah, this is what x vendor has given and y vendor has given and you know mm -hmm. uh, x vendor so we can actually uh, do a very rightful comparison and then but ultimately it goes back to the traceability because any selection of vendors you know it should be you should be able to trace back to say that on what comparison the parameters is always given by human yeah. the parameters is not something which you know is uh, that's where we need to understand that the human element or the human loop 
in this aspect of ai will never be missed mm. because it is designed by a human for human only it is not designed for you know to to benefit a machine machine what benefit machine will get mm. a machine doesn't get you know human only is is going to get benefited so hence we should never forget that you know that is uh, what factors what comparisons uh, uh, parameters we are laying out for any decision making criteria is laid out by human so that's why it is you know anybody can go and establish that kind of audit traceability to ensure that tomorrow if there is any audit done to say that why that you know uh, if uh, uh, if an ai was used to aid uh, human decision making you can go back to say that oh actually the question was asked on these three parameters and that's where the comparison was done and hence yeah it is right but uh, ultimately the judgment has to be taken the final even if whatever is recommendation but ultimately the judgment is taken by human only mm-hmm. so yeah, that is super interesting what you're saying um so so two things stand out one thing that maybe is a little bit underestimated if you haven't started going this route is the whole topic of being compliant so you have to have like <laughs> it's it's almost almost like being in the, in the court you have to have every step documented and and make sure that uh, that it it aligns with the um statutes of of the company or or the country um and and especially if you're working with big clients in multi country settings that can be quite interesting i assume um and and the second one that's an assumption i would like to have your your feedback there it seems like the example or examples you mentioned um rely on on a big amount of data or even unstructured data so if you if a consultancy leader for example with a practice that tackles different problems in maybe one or two industries would have to pick one area where he wants to focus on with his first ai um project or team or wants to build out a team for a certain area um would that be a correct assumption to say let's first see where uh, a vast amount of data lies because then we have something to play with so to say and create uh, opportunity for our client or do you handle it differently when you when you go in this direction of figuring out today so the two aspects of this you know uh, questions maybe if i'm understanding uh, sami correctly so one is that uh, today the data can be generated synthetically so means mm-hmm. it is not uh, dependent you know so you can have a synthetic data generation you know in that way secondly uh, so so you any consulting practice who is establishing you know need not uh, depend upon where you know the data is available i think the key part is you know two, two things one is where they uh, have a better uh, uh, connect with the client so which client is able to and where they have their own strengths so if some uh, consulting firms are very good in say public sector but public sector is very averse to taking this as a first step so what is the best way to take it for example so what is that uh, minimal um, um or the kind of use cases which can be taken is which doesn't involve so much of you know you can do pocs you can actually do and many of the public sector that's a notion that public sector may not be so keen but they are not averse they are very keen to ensure that Uh, on a general applicability yes they are very keen 
they're not so keen on anything to do with human personal recommendation say for example your loan application is much more personal you know where personal recommendation or personal decision is being taken they may not be so aware because it has to go through a very huge loop of you know uh, statute and law to say that you know on what basis that cannot be so so we should not pick up use cases which is you know uh, non compliant by that industry uh, itself mm-hmm. but uh, if you pick up say the complaints you know handling whether it is an in insurance or um, utility or telecom and how that complaints handling can be done in a better way um, but with the human in the loop absolutely that can be taken so mm-hmm. for a firm has to establish what they better at today mm-hmm. which of those client are they serving so well or they have better connect mm-hmm. where they will be able to and secondly what their own internal strengths are currently mm-hmm. from a team so what kind of skill sets they have so uh, because having a, a plunge into ai uh, requires uh, because wipro to compare that with because wipro inherently has a very good technology strength so we are moving upwards to create that kind of i'll say value chain in terms of advisory and consulting capability whereas many of the niche consulting firm or big four they are actually moving the other way around so where they do have good credentials or good consulting and advisory you know methodology and you know etc but they are trying to move down to say uh, how do we set up the technology aspects of it whether from architecture to engineering to testing to data to everything so yeah. then it requires the whole uh, aspects of it because none of this initiatives today can be taken on its own so what do i do i mean by that so if you're taking a say a ai initiative in a customer service area it will not be just a ai you know intervention it will be coupled along with say process reimagination it will be coupled along with say some uh, low code no code you know workflow you know initiation so ai can then initiate workflow will be involved where human is actually checking upon or you know approving upon or something mm-hmm. and then it is going back to the you know um, to the straight through processing etc so mm-hmm. it will be a combination always a combination of you know those uh, levers involved and ai is one major lever you know in that way so that's where uh, a firm you know who's trying to establish this as a practice or this as an offering needs to think through that what are they offering are they offering just on the ai part then how will client actually get served in that scenario where only you are taking care of one part and then they have to call upon the others you know for yeah. the other part so that's where it cannot be done in that uh, very very i'll say siloed way so we have to look at it at a value stream way yeah. and a industry way so if you're picking up one or two industry focus on that one or two industries and pick up uh, you know two three you know areas where you're going to focus you know your and then go after it yeah Yeah, it's a really good blueprint, and um, I understood now that. And please correct me if I understood it wrong. That you can um, you can think about it in two ways. If you're the owner or or run a consulting company, that's a little bit smaller, so not as big as Vipro. So if you, for example, only have between I don't know two hundred and and four hundred employees, um, or one hundred and and four hundred. Um, 
you may and you're not focused on IT before that. So maybe you're more subject focused consultancy. I don't know, maybe um, HR or procurement, and you have really deep connections with those clients. And those clients now say, hey, come on, I want to do something there. I know that AI is the next big thing. And there's a lot of value that can be created. So one way is where you could build out the whole team internally, but you don't have a data or an, um, an IT background, which maybe both you would need. Um, and the second option could be that you partner up with, um, with specialty, um, companies. And uh, what, what would you say is, what would you pick if you were the owner of a smaller consultancy that is a boutique focused on a niche? Very, very good question. <laughs> Uh, it's always a choice, I think, uh, for any, you know, boutique firm. So to start with, I think if I am there in their shoes, I think I will try to partner up first to see mm -hmm. what actually it involves. So if I go through that uh, engagement end to end, uh, then I know what actually it means if I have to set it up tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Then I know that, okay, it needs, uh, you know, this kind of skills, this kind of, you know, uh, setup or investments in terms of technology or platform or, you know, etc. So what it, you know, does means. So uh, today, for example, with our uh, Lab45 platform, we are able to experiment that on a daily basis or a weekly basis. So they've got a whole backlog of, initiatives whether it is internal or based on the client request so they have got so backlog of initiatives and there is a team who's working on those based on the customer first priority mm. and to say that and and the benefit and the benefit which it can generate so we got that but for any other firm to you know they cannot uh, have that kind of a startup so best is to i will always suggest in my view is that and try to slowly in the meantime, in parallel, start developing. If you think, yes, I'm going to reshape my whole consulting and my, you know, business, which is AI driven and which will be, you know, uh, have uh, AI as a cornerstone to any offering or anything, then, you know, the whole uh, business transformation capability is, uh, is reinvented uh, with AI and digital skills. Mm -hmm. so that's where, uh, how I will take it in step one, step two kind of mm -hmm. an approach. Very yeah. good. Thanks a lot. And uh, funny enough, um, so Vipro did a whole um, pivot of of the core of the company, um, as, you, as you said in the very beginning of our conversation, where originally you were more in the manufacturing uh, business. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. you... We still have. We still have. So yeah. we still have those consumer and hydro hydraulics uh, manufacturing so in fact we are one of the world's largest hydraulics uh, manufacturer but then um someone in your company saw the opportunity of this new thing back then <laughs> yeah oh yeah like the new thing now is probably ai yeah. um, but back then it was the new thing and uh, took a bet and it became a very very big part of the company if not the biggest part of the company now it is it is the biggest. so um that's that's why i think it's super interesting to see the similarity you are uh, in a company that may may have the, the 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 muscle to remember um a little bit maybe that it's necessary sometimes to uh, go new ways because the world is changing if you stay in your old roots maybe you're not surviving yeah 
Absolutely. I think uh, that's why, you know, we would have seen that how our CEO has announced about a billion dollar investments over the next couple of years to uh, ensure that we not only we reimagine our own, you know, uh, ways of working and how we think and we do our own business, but uh, also do it for the client, much so for the client, how we can uh, offer best uh, services uh, and uh, a proposition to our client. Uh, and be a true digital transformation partner for them, you know, in that way with AI mm-hmm. as a, a AI first approach, and that's uh, something which uh, you know now I think within a span of uh, about three months or four months itself, we have trained more than hundred and fifty thousand people uh, employees across, you know, on on the first wow. level plus, and then within that about more than 15,000 plus people getting to the next level of training, you know, on uh, Gen AI. Mm -hmm. So uh, it is uh, absolutely, you know, it it needs a top-driven, you know, uh, agenda for any organization if they really want to uh, reshape their organization or, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, and it shows how, how high on the priority list this topic is for your company. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It is across anything. In fact, uh, you know, I am as I'm the leading for the DA, you know, for the overall consulting, uh, you know, as AI advisory, but there is an AI council, which is there. So which is chaired by the CEO itself. Mm-hmm. And there's all uh, business leaders are there at, uh, you know, at uh, his directs uh, who are there and actively and they are meeting on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine the kind of importance. There's is- some pressure behind that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I like it. And it must be super interesting to be in this position that you are in right now, driving such a substan- substantial um, part that, that will impact the future of, well, of course, your company, but also all the clients that you have. Um, how does no, it? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we are uh, far, far more, you know. Agile now, if I compare ourselves, you know, so for the last five years or so, I'll say we are far more agile. So within the last three months itself, the way we have come out across on our offerings and propositions, uh, you know, the velocity is one thing which has changed between the last wave and this wave. Mm. The You know, it is that sheer speed and the sheer, the speed of the evolution itself also. And yeah. the way how, you know, every week there is something new, you know, which is happening. Yeah, it is it is that interesting it is becoming. And uh, yeah, more that's why it's so much and so more focus also on the, uh, on the, to make the, ensure the guardrails or the privacy or the compliance also at this same time. So that is also actually moving in the same uh, pace. Yeah. Because... Whichever way they come out with, I think it is not to inhibit the business, but they will come to uh, enhance the, you know, the way how operations or how the AI can actually impact, uh, you know, at a strategy level or at a operations level or whichever way. Mm-hmm. More and more uh, company organizations will adopt it whether to, you know, defend itself or to, you know, differentiate or whether to disrupt, whichever. Mm-hmm. So there are new business models which will get set up 
truly based on ai absolutely so ai has its core ai is its foundation and uh, because um, because it will make much more you know for them very nimble and very agile so in in that way mm-hmm. very cool so now uh, we slowly have to come to an end of our conversation amit and i have five rapid fire questions lined up for you question oh. number one being in this high pressure high velocity chair here that you're in how do you keep body and mind fit and sharp so as i was saying i think earlier also uh, so my weekday runs which is typically a 5k run you know in the morning it uh, just helps me to unwind and uh, you know connect uh, with myself yeah, i'll mm-hmm. say and uh, and then a kind of a 10 minute uh, breathing exercise you know um, you know kind of bit of yoga is there in that but uh, it just uh, helps me to calm and focus at the same time so mm-hmm. just to be what is the breathing exercise if you want to share uh that's uh, called uh, uh, pranayam actually mm-hmm. it is uh, um, you know there are two or three different breathing exercises so where you hold your breath and you know up to a seconds and then or inhale but you know think in a much more positive when you're inhaling you should take all positive thoughts and keep that positive thoughts for a moment and then leave when you're exhaling then you leave out all the negative thoughts mm. so and but then if you do it for say those you know repetitions etc it just uh, improves your concentration uh, also and focus yeah so that's something which uh, yeah just helps so oh, it's really interesting i i talked to another consulting leader who originally also is from india and he also said he does breathing exercises um which is um something that that i think is more common in india and i i was in vietnam beginning this year with my wife and we we went for a yoga session with a yoga teacher from india and he did some breathing exercises with us and i loved i loved it um because it reminded me of apnoe diving breathing exercises i'm doing apnoe diving and you also have to calm down and you have to take deep breath and and focus on the breath and forget everything else and so it's uh, I, I, thanks a lot for sharing i think it's super interesting i will try that one out yeah <laughs> no no absolutely i think uh, you t- inhale from one nostril yeah it yeah, was like from, huh? put, put and, this uh, one here and then you do yeah. like Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and if you keep your focus on the middle of the, you know, between those two eyes, yeah, the same. That is what it. Uh, That's maybe why he told me put the middle, like the the pointing finger on the top of your yeah. between your eyes, and then you just alternate uh, with the thumb and the the middle finger, closing yeah. one nostril so inhale in the the right one exhale through the left one inhale through the left one exhale through the right one and it sounds so simple but phew, doing that for a little bit of time in the beginning is quite hard yeah yeah i think it just gets into a rhythm i think you just need to get into that rhythm i think of if you sit calmly with your you know with your legs folded and if you I think there are things you know simple things which doesn't take so much of time and effort but that can do I'll say I'll not say absolutely wonders wonders but it can do a great bit of you know help in your uh, own well-being yeah I I believe in that 
definitely. Um, do you have a favorite business book? Actually, not in particular. In fact, there is some here which is kept here, but uh, I do read, uh, you know, uh, some strategy or leadership books, but I do read economists, for example, on a very weekly basis. So mm -hmm. that's something which, you know, just gives me a very holistic view across. But books by, I think, Jim Collins or uh, something great by choice is what last I, you know, uh, read about. So mm -hmm. that's where. Thanks, sir. But yeah, every now and then, um, you know, I just, uh, yeah, keep reading. But yeah, reading is something which I absolutely, you know, uh, do whether it is business books or whether it is, uh, you know, any other, you know, books which mm -hmm. actually connects me or gives me a wider view, actually. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very good. We we'll put the, the links to both uh, Economist and the book you mentioned into the show notes. Sure. Um, what is your favorite IT tool that you use for yourself or your practice? that maybe not everyone else is using. So not something like Microsoft Teams or Zoom, but something where you say, hmm, that's a little bit uncommon, but it has a good and deep impact. Uh, I'll say we use, uh, one is uh, we use Miro, Miro board, which is mm -hmm. as a whiteboarding or as an ideation, you know, uh, tool. And off late, uh, we've been using Power BI a lot for our practice also. So mm -hmm. for, uh, creating that kind of dashboard for say my own practice and uh, across pipeline to utilization to you know people talent view etc so those two but yeah Miro was absolutely a tool which we adopted uh, and I have not left it during the COVID time mm -hmm. so it just helps us to you know even for a training you know which we did for our uh, upcoming women leaders, we use board to mm -hmm. ensure there is a group-wide participation and, you know, ideation which can be done in that training itself or, you know, or something on communication or, you know, design thinking, etc. Okay, cool. We put that one in the show notes as well. Yeah. And now, Amit, um, who should be our next Leaders in Consulting podcast guest that you personally know and that could be bringing interesting topics? I think maybe I'll uh, nominate somebody from my uh, my colleague from US. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so Gorika Gorika Chako. She handles uh, the life sciences, uh, you know, practice. You mm -hmm. know, us, and she's taken some new uh, ways. You know, in terms of the cloud and also the Gen AI. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, her set of clients and proposition. And it's a woman. Oh yeah, absolutely. We have too few I can interview, so that would that would be cool if she would be interested. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll speak to her. Awesome. Thanks a lot for that one. Now, Amit, you can directly address our audience, so the leaders of other consulting companies. Is there anything we can help you with? I can absolutely, if they need any, uh, you know, discussion, anything, you know, I can always be reached out uh, through LinkedIn. Uh, absolutely, you know, more than happy to have, uh, uh, you know, any discussion uh, or support required to, you know, setting up or uh, or discussion, what advice they need, if at all mm -hmm. they need. 
but i'll always suggest that you know focus on your focus on your core strength first i think the but leverage the core strength for the new to create new mm-hmm. because if you don't create new uh, your core strength itself will not be hold good so it will not be so much of so relevance in the future mm-hmm. so yes we should always uh, ensure that you know we uh, but leverage the their core strength itself that is what my biggest uh, also learning is that okay, how i could leverage and you know create new is that mm-hmm. your inner the strength is there within your team but uh, just uh, absolutely leverage it and uh, motivate it uh, you know to create new out of it and, and yeah yeah that's where i, I think that but bring in the outside in uh, talent also to um, bring a that breath of fresh air which is needed so always uh, you know look out you know in that way also mm-hmm. and uh, the combination of those those two aspects uh, absolutely can create uh, wonders yeah and uh, how could people get in touch with you best if they want to reach out to you um my linkedin profile i message me i am me on the linkedin i am mm-hmm. and that's how we connected sami exactly yeah <laughs> so i am uh, except for those recruitment folks who contact me but uh-huh. i have small no headhunters <laughs> please uh, yeah. <laughs> or even they trying to you know otherwise but i always uh, you know contact uh, i always respond to any colleagues who's yeah looking mm-hmm. up Yeah. So we will put on the one end you the link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. But for anyone just listening, it's Amit A M I T and then Rati um, R A T H I yeah um, at Vipro W I P R O yeah. So Amit, um, it was a true pleasure to have you on our show. And well, what a journey you are on. Uh, that sounds crazy. Really good. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. Yes, it is, but it is fun also. I must say. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Sammy, and thank you for this opportunity. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at leadersinconsulting.com to get key takeaways from this podcast delivered straight to your inbox and to learn more about how you can join our community of consultancy leaders from around the world. You'd really make my day if you left us a review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. And who knows, maybe we can meet each other at the next Leaders in Consulting monthly meetup. Until then, have a great rest of your week. Your host, Sammy.